Open your Bibles, if you will, to Philippians, the first chapter. We'll look at a beautiful prayer that Paul prayed for the people that he loved dearly, Philippi. He appreciated the generous gift that they had given, and so he writes a thank you note, but he can't help but to talk about his prayer life and what he had specifically prayed for them. With that in mind, he and just the words we're going to read in a few moments, we see that he spoke of a love that overflowed. You know, I can't help but think of two things when I think of overflowing. I think of the 23rd Psalm. You remember this series 15 weeks ago began with the Lord is our shepherd. That's where we started. And you remember in the 23rd Psalm that so clearly describes the Lord is our shepherd. He talks about my cup runs over. I remember as a child, if I ran a cup over, people would jump and they would grab cloths to clean up with. And sometimes I might even be rebuked. That's why I suppose that I have a memory etched in my mind that I'll never forget. My granddaddy had permission to run his cup over. He would set a saucer underneath it, and he would either get a large mug or a pint jar, and he would fill it full of either milk or buttermilk, and then he would take cornbread, and he would mash it down in there. Now, I don't know why it was important for, to him that the cup runneth over, But it was always important. He always put enough cornbread that the cup would run over. And then he would begin with his spoon to eat. This wasn't when company was over, okay? And and he 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 would eat the cornbread out with the spoon. And when he had most of the cornbread... He would turn up the the mug or, or the jar and he would drink the rest. And then you know what's coming next, don't you? Then he'd pick up the saucer... And he would finish what has run over. Our Lord is one who supplies so much to His people that their cup runs over. And it's not so we can pick up the saucer and finish it when it comes to God's blessings. It's so that we can continually, constantly, forever care for other people. There's plenty of love and there's plenty of God's blessings that we receive that then we share them with others. Notice how this would be Paul's prayer. Let's look at, at Philippians, the first chapter, 9, 10, and 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound. The word literally means overflow, like a river going over its banks. That your love may abound. How much? How often? Still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Number two, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with all the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. First, I urge you, as we set our sights on victory, going to heaven and to everything that was in our might, leaving no one in our midst behind, we must realize that as Griff just prayed, and as he said specifically in the prayer, love is loud. You're going to study that in Bible class in a few moments. This love is powerful. People listen to this love. People can't help but notice this love. This love moves people. And he says, I want you to have that love and let it overflow. I think about Wednesday night when Michael was baptized. We saw love that was overflowing from him. But I also think about the words that he said to me when he said, if every church in America loved others the way this church loves others, nobody would be lost. I'm so thankful that that's what he has received 
among God's people. Because that's what people are supposed to receive among God's people. But let's make sure that we duplicate that in our life. Not just as a collective group that most of us are doing that, but let's all make sure that we are set upon doing that. That truly we have love that overflows. But notice, this love is not solely an emotion. Although it is emotional, it's not solely an emotion. Notice here in verse 9, it is tied to knowledge. Go back and study 1 Corinthians 13 and you'll see that there's a lot of things that we need to learn and practice about love. And discernment. Discernment has to do with judgment. Our love for God is supposed to affect the decisions we make and how we interact with other people. In other words, if I truly love God, then I'm called upon to love His people. And it's going to affect the way I make decisions like... And I'm not saying you're right or wrong if you do or don't do this. I'm just throwing out some things I'd like for you to think about. Would love for God's people move you to say, I'm going to arrive to services 10 minutes earlier than what I normally do so that I can visit with God's people and encourage God's people. I'm going to stay 10 minutes later than what I usually do so that I can encourage God's people and those that are guests of God's people. Or maybe it's, I'm going to look every week before and after services for somebody that I normally don't reach out to and just encourage them and get to know them. It may be another member or it may be a guest. But what if everybody constantly was reaching out to someone? Or it might be, I'm going to keep my eyes open and there's going to be somebody that I'm going to leave here every week with thought. I'm either going to give them a call, I'm going to write them a note. I'm just going to encourage them. I'm going to see what I can do to serve them this week. I'm not saying it needs to become as simple as a program. But what I'm saying to you is that our love that we have received that is overflowing is supposed to move us to make decisions. That's the discernment. Our decisions ought to reflect the love that God has for us and that we have for others. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, we know 25 very well. Do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. But don't forget verse 24 is why we actually assemble. It is to worship the Almighty God and to study the Scriptures. But he gives another reason that we studied a few weeks ago. You remember that? It is to consider one another in verse 24. We are supposed to notice each other because we are to stir each other up to love. But now notice, if you will, verse 10. In verse 10... He gives us another teaching that continues that really was his prayer for them. And that was an excellent standard that you may approve the things that are excellent. We live in a world that's comfortable with uh, mediocrity. Please don't be comfortable with that. We're talking about our soul. We're talking about victory. We're talking about eternity. Let's strive for that which is excellent. The word excellent means surpass. Does your love for God and your love for others surpass? Well, here we see that we are to approve. That's to test. If you tested your life and your love right now, does it surpass? Is it excellent in the way you love God and the way you love others? The way your love is tied to knowledge and discernment. Is it excellent? Now notice here, the excellent is also tied to sincerity and without offense. Did you know sincerity in the Greek? Now, it may not in English, but in the Greek, sincerity comes back to the very idea to judge by sunlight. Now, you may say, what in the world does that mean? What we believe that means is that in the days when when the women uh, would dye cloth, and and it wasn't easy to get the dye to, to go evenly throughout the cloth, they would take the cloth and hold it up in the sunlight, And then it would be very easy to see, are there streaks in the dye? Are there blotches? Sincere 
is when you test it by light. Notice, He prays for them and for us to have an excellent standard, but now we need to take our life and we need to hold it up to the light and we need to test it. Does it pass the test? Are we without offense? Listen, it's offensive to sit beside somebody and then get up after the amen and nobody speak to them. There's no way around that. That's black and white. It is offensive for people to not care if you're alive. To not care if you are saved. To not care if you're having a difficult day. Those things are offensive. And so it's our responsibility to say, do I really show love? If I hold myself up to the sunlight, that high and excellent standard, am I sincere? Do I pass the test? Or am I offensive? And now we skip down to verse 11. In verse 11, Philippians 1 and 11, notice being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now we're back to being satisfied, being fulfilled. A life that pays off. With this life that pays off, notice it produces fruit. What are the fruit that we are to produce? You know in Galatians, the fifth chapter, we have the fruit that is called the fruit of the Spirit. Now before this, we have the works of the flesh. If we're not living a godly life, not overflowing with the love of God, not tied to the knowledge of God, not making decisions tied to that love of God, we're going to live and fulfill the works of the flesh, but we're never going to be fulfilled. We're always going to be empty. Listen, I don't care what education you have or how many cars you have parked in your garage or how many boats are in a slip somewhere or how large your portfolio is. You're always going to be empty if you are not fulfilled by God. And here he says this fulfillment produces fruit. We know what it is to see a grapevine that has no fruit. We know what it is to see another grapevine that has clusters of fruit. And so now the question is, am I a vine with little or no fruit or am I a vine with fruit? And we say, what's the fruit supposed to be? Well, it's supposed to be things like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits that are produced. Now think how those things look when they're interacted with other people. That is powerful when those are the ways that describe the way we deal with others. I want to read to you some good news, of course, unsolicited. Came in this week, and it came in, if it matters, I'll go ahead and tell you, it came in from a guest that wasn't here during our Sunday morning series to even know what we've been studying the last 15 weeks, okay? It's from a guest that came on a Sunday night very recently, just a couple weeks ago when we were studying the Angel series. And so he wrote a couple of lines about his appreciation for the study in angels. But then the bulk of what he wrote was things like this. And, and here's a part of it. I really enjoyed the services at Mount Juliet. I've been very impressed with, the Mount, with Mount Juliet the couple of times I've attended there. What really impressed me Sunday night was that when we came in during a song and people on a couple of different rows turned around and they motioned to us, to come sit with them. What a blessing. Love. Isn't it amazing how simple love is? But isn't it amazing how we never think to practice it on a consistent basis without first having received the love of God and allowing His love to be the decision maker in our life.
How would God treat others? That's what moves us to being what God would want us to be. So with Paul, we would join by saying pray for us to have an overflowing love, excellent standards, and fulfilled lives with His righteousness. We've said it several times, and I'll say it at least one more. We're not trying to kick off a program per se in this 15-week study. What we want to do is transform our lives. We want to be what God wants us to be. And if we do that, we'll have victory. As one of our elders said, this study has been important to us as elders or shepherds over the flock. And we hope that from this study, our lives and yours have been transferred to better serve each other. To make sure that every member of the body of Christ is nourished with love. We don't want any member to feel that they are an insignificant part of the body. But that we're all necessary and important to the whole body. We want outsiders coming to Mount Julia to feel the love we have for each other and all people. So that they will want to be a part of a loving congregation that meets at this place. This morning, you've probably been around here long enough and you probably know without us saying, but we know we're not perfect. But we sure do want to be what God wants us to be. And so we're redeemed people. We're forgiven people that really love God and really want to love others as God would want us to. And we really want to spend an eternity with Him. And we really want to take as many people as we can. And so when we struggle, we struggle together. And when we rejoice, we rejoice together. And when we cry, we cry together. But we want to do all this together with God. And this morning, if you feel isolated, this morning, if you're not saved, why not step out of that isolation and step into God's family? If you're ready to be baptized into Christ, we'd love to assist you with that. Or you have done that and along the way. You've, you've lost the way. You want to renew and rededicate your focus. In whatever ways we can, we really do want to help you. We want to encourage you. We want to walk with you. If there's anything that we can do for you this morning, come as we stand, as we sing.